In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Growing up as a child in Indiana, we would always have fireworks on the 4th of July in the court that I grew up in, in the neighborhood that I was in. We would always set off the things that would go way up in the sky and explode and make the loudest noises and show off the greatest of sparkles. And then it came time for the stuff that was boring. You know those little snakes that you would put on the ground and you light it on fire and a big black ashy snake grows out of the ground? We would look at that and say, okay, what's this have to do with anything? There's not anything really celebratory about the earth looking like it's sprouting forth black gunk. What's so festive about this? Today we are celebrating God and Country Sunday. Yes, tomorrow is the 4th of July. Happy 246 to the good old USA. Jesus shall reign where the sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. God of our fathers, whose almighty hand leads forth in beauty all the starry band of shining worlds and splendor through the skies, our grateful songs before your throne arise. Lord, to you I make confession. You get it? We've sang these hymns and these songs that deal with our patriotism and, yes, the freedoms that we have as a country, but then we come before the Lord with this hymn right before I get up here and speak, and it sounds a little dirgy. It sounds a little depressing. It sounds a little bit like that snake that you would light on the concrete and a bunch of black ash would pour out from the concrete. I have sinned and gone astray. I have multiplied transgression, chosen for myself my way, led by you to see my errors. Lord, I tremble at your terrors. God bless the USA, right? God bless these freedom-loving people that are gathered here today and on this weekend. How are we doing as a country? How are we doing as people who are free? who have the freedoms, the life, and the liberty to do pretty much anything that we want to do? How are we doing with the life, the liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? I read a couple different articles this week. One was from a, a World War II veteran who just turned 100 years old, and he said, this is not the same country that I and others fought for. He has simply said, we don't have as much fun as we used to when I was younger. This is not the same country, he said. It's not the same country, but he still said he would still go and fight if asked today. And then subsequently at the next article, there were people protesting with signs that said, burn the whole country down. I'm not going to use some of the language that they had on their posters, but you get the gist. Where are we at today? Where are we at today as a people of the 21st century who are all technologically advanced, who have made such huge strides economically, financially, in terms of our health and our prosperity, and in terms of our knowledge concerning this world? 
It's easy to come in here today and say, yes, we live in the good old United States and we're free. We're free to come and go to a place like this. We're free to go buy whatever we want to have for our 4th of July picnic. But somebody might say it's $10 more expensive this year than it was last year. I guess we're not going to have the baked beans. Is this really what this is all about? And really, where does God fit in with this country and with us today? What made you decide to come here today on a holiday weekend, having tomorrow off? Jesus today gives us three parables. These were parables found in our lectionary for today. It has nothing to do necessarily with the type of service that we're having today. But these parables give to us a wonderful example of how the kingdom of God works and not our country. Our country would look at this parable today and say that this young man who goes to seek the one sheep and this woman who goes to seek out the one lost coin are fools. You got 99 sheep. You're doing great. You got nine coins out of ten. You're doing just fine. Don't trouble yourself for the one lost sheep because economically it doesn't make any sense. You don't dare leave 99 for one. You don't turn over your house to find one penny out of ten. You count your losses. You move on. You learn your lesson that you better take better care of those things and you try to survive. And so many today will say about this gospel reading today, what are you doing with the treasure of the gospel? How far will you go to find the gospel? How many stones will you turn over to find that lost seed of the gospel? They will turn this parable into something that you now have to do. And we can sit here today and talk about how we have been given all the freedoms to worship and to confess the holy name of God, how we, like most other countries, are able to come here without threat to our livelihood or threat to our way of life, coming to this place to worship and to pray freely. We could talk about all of those things that we take for granted and that we don't know what to do with. And we could leave here today and say, please truly value this little seed of the gospel amidst all of the other freedoms that you have in this country. And you'll say, yes, we'll do that. And tomorrow you'll wake up and you'll think, what are we going to have on the barbecue today? That's not how the kingdom of God works. Jesus does the verbs. Jesus does all the action. The kingdom of God is not about God saying, this is how valuable this is and you better hold on to it. Because guess what? We haven't done it. We haven't made this the priority for our country. And you can insert whatever it is that tickles your fancy for social talk or political talk or whatever else it is. All it comes down to is, is who is at the forefront of our lives. Is it truly like we said at the beginning of this hymn, I have sinned, I have gone astray, chosen for myself, my way? How many of you like to have things your way? I'm the only one raising my hand up here. 
But you know what it's like. If you go have a burger tomorrow, you're not all going to eat the same burger. You're not going to all have the same toppings. You have to have it your way, cooked your way, the buns your way, the cheese your way, everything your way. And if we do that with the simplest of things, like a 4th of July picnic, what do we do with the big things of life, of the liberty and the happiness that you've been given? How do we treat life? How do we treat free will? It's a gift from God. How do we truly treat it? How do we treat happiness? And how do we treat this, what we've been given here today? Jesus says today that the kingdom of God is like this man who had 99 sheep and lost one of them. Or like this woman who had 10 coins and lost one of them. And they give up everything possible to try to find that one sheep and that one coin. We would look at that and say, they seem a little kooky. They seem to have their priorities wrong. But that's why Jesus says this is the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the United States or 21st century modern human beings. Jesus does the verbs. The kingdom of God invades this world where all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, where we who are lost in our sins of making our own way, our deity, our God, he comes in the midst of all of these things, no matter how far we have traversed or traveled or fallen off the beaten path of his word and his salvation, and he comes once again to seek and to save that which is lost. We might say, well, it's, Everybody out there, people who look like differently, who act differently, everything else like that. But it also is something that we need to be reminded of as well today. Which is why, yes, Lord, to you I make confession. And I love it because that hymn isn't very happy, is it? Because confession isn't happy. Speaking the truth about how you stand before God and how you've treated each other isn't a happy thing. We like the life and liberty, but the happiness kind of falls off the face of all of us when we talk about how much wrong have you done. But that's never meant for us to be a people who live in the darkness and the pain and the shame and the misery of our sin. That's why Paul said today that he is, amongst all people, the chief of sinners. Paul, we name our churches after this guy. Paul, the greatest pastor who has ever lived. He says, I am the chief of sinners, and God used me to display his perfect patience as an example for you. Did you catch the words from Micah today? This truly defines how God's kingdom works. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He doesn't retain his anger forever because he delights in his steadfast love. Part of our freedoms, part of what we rejoice in today is the ability, yes, to come into this place and to speak and to sing and to pray freely without fear 
as we've been able to for 246 years. But it also comes down to how we view ourselves and what we've done with that life, that liberty, and that pursuit of happiness. And we rejoice that Jesus truly is the one who does the verbs. He doesn't leave you today saying, now try to do better or try to hold on to this better. He says, no, even if it's one sheep or one lost coin, I will seek it out. I, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all mankind to myself. He who was innocent became the guilty one. He who knew no sin became sin for us and was lifted high onto the cross to draw us back into the inheritance that the Father has prepared for you, his beloved children. But we have to acknowledge where we're at first to receive these things. We have to acknowledge, too, in fact, in fact that we as a people in this country have taken so many things for granted and have pursued so many of the wrong things and have used our freedoms for so many wrong ideas and ways. And yet, even here, in the most prosperous and generous country in the world, God still comes to you. He doesn't have to. He could close up the idea of the church here in this country, and it sounds like he is in some ways, he could move on to a richer and greener pastures with people who truly hunger and thirst for these things, but he hasn't yet. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, but if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He has cleansed you in your baptism. He has forgiven you all of your sins as you heard in the words of absolution. And he's going to strengthen you with his meal today that as you go out, you do so as American Christians with a faith in him and in a fervent love toward one another. That's what we get to do. Not what we have to do. You get to go out and love your neighbor as yourself. You get to go out and use these freedoms and this life for the benefit of others, for the neighbor who is in need. And while you might bristle at that, think of all of those who have done that for your benefit prior to you, even in this country. People who struggled, people who suffered, people who had blood, sweat, and tears to create not only this country, but even a place like this, where you can come today freely still and receive the kingdom of God that is in your midst, that gives you the forgiveness of sins, and that promises you that no matter what country you live in, no matter what your life or liberty or pursuit of happiness is at today, you have the internal inheritance as the blessed children of God, because God has once again today said that you are free of all of your sins. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.